And a very good afternoon on this Tuesday, March 22nd. Hello and welcome to those of you in London on 980 CFPL, in Hamilton on 900 CHML, in Toronto on 640 Toronto, and streaming online as well. Glad to have you along for another afternoon. There is Rush, of course, and we begin Rush with Rush, sorry, on this Tuesday afternoon, because the band announcing a brand new beer. Yes, that's right. Getty, Alex, got a brand new beer out called, ready for this? Moving pitchers. And when I say pitchers, I'm spelling that, by the way, P-I-T-C-H-E-R-S. Like a pitcher of beer, right? See what they did there? Yes. All, uh, by the way, to help celebrate uh, the album Moving Pitchers, which, uh, by the way, was done some 40 years ago. I know. Hard to believe, but uh, Rush, uh, congratulations to them, of course, on just a historic uh, career and this uh, brand new beer. Looking forward to uh, trying it. All right. uh, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, the big news here on this Tuesday afternoon, saying the liberals have struck a deal with the federal NDP to govern until 2025. This is a decision that the prime minister says will offer, quote, stability to Canadians in uncertain times. Here is the Prime Minister, here is Justin Trudeau, telling us all that this was not an easy decision. I've thought long and hard about this. It was not an easy decision. With so much instability around us, Canadians need stability. We're different political parties. We stand for different things. But where we have common goals, we cannot let our differences stand in the way of delivering what Canadians deserve. That's why we're taking this step. All right, there's the Prime Minister earlier today announcing this new agreement with the NDP. And as you can imagine, there is plenty of reaction to this announcement. Uh, Have a listen. Here is Conservative interim leader Candace Bergen, her take. Let me be clear. This is nothing more than a Justin Trudeau power grab. He is desperately clinging to power. His number one goal, as we have seen over the course of the last six years, is always to do what's best for him, not to do what's best for Canadians. All right. Here's political insider John Capabianco, senior VP with Fleischman Hillard High Road, who joins us now for more on this on this Tuesday. Hey, John, good afternoon. I just really wish we had something to talk about today. (laughs) <laughs> no kidding. Hey, Jeff, how are you? I'm well, thanks. All right. You heard kind of both sides there. The prime minister saying this is all about stability. The conservatives say that this is a desperate clutch to hold on to power. How do you see it? Well, I, the prime minister is right on one thing, and that is he's right about instability around us. But he's wrong in the fact that he's thinking that there's instability in government. He hasn't had an issue with, with the government since he's won the election uh, and in fact, you know, when there was a major debate about the Emergencies Act and he declared it a confidence vote, the NDP were right there beside him voting for him. So there was never any issue, quite frankly. For those of us that watch the parliament and watch this closely, there was never any issue of, of any sort of immediate election potential happening because, you know, parties know that the election happened, voters voted. Uh, it was a minority government and, you know, they don't want an election anytime soon. So the fact that he's doing this and it was a hard decision is just bunk. You know, this is something that has given him some level of assurances for the next three, four years that he's going to be able to govern because the NDP are going to be able to support all of their budgets, which in a sense become confidence votes. So, you know, not a hard decision at all. And, and I think it's, it's, it's warranted for people to be concerned about this. 
Yeah. For those that are wondering whether or not this really is the best for a democracy and for our government and getting us uh, the best possible public uh, policy, John, what is your uh, take on that? Because often the best public policy comes from very vigorous debate. And that is what, uh, you know, a lot of people like to see when it comes to a minority government that you've got to, uh, you know, sway opinion, if you will, and get some votes on your side from people that might not see exactly eye to eye with you on everything. Well, that's exactly right. And, and, you know, voters are always right, no matter what they do and no matter how they vote, they vote for a specific reason. And the fact that they voted for a minority government in the last election was for a specific reason. They didn't want to give the prime minister a majority. They didn't want to give him full control of parliament for four years. So they voted in a minority government, even though, Jeff, if you recall, back when the election was happening in the middle of the pandemic, when most Canadians didn't feel that we should have been in an election and there wasn't really a need for an election, he went because he wanted to have a majority government didn't get it. And now he's been working ever since, because we've been talking about this, and there's been some rumors of this, of this coalition or this agreement between the two. Now they formalized it. So now he's got his majority government, despite the fact that Canadians did not want this. So it's hard for, for you know, the prime minister to be making these arguments about, well, there's toxicity in, in, in government and things are being done. Everything he's wanted since the election, and quite frankly, since the pandemic, all the parties, especially when it came to money and, and given, given special um, compensation to businesses and stuff, everybody agreed to it. So there really isn't a need for this. This is just an assurance for him. And quite frankly, Candace Bergen said it right, a bit of a power grab for the prime minister. And it's going to potentially backfire on him and most definitely on Jagmeet Singh. Well, I want to ask you about uh, each of the parties and leaders here in just a second, but uh, let's get back to stability here for just a quick moment, if we could, uh, John, because when the prime minister says that this decision will offer stability to Canadians in uncertain times, by that, can we read into that? He means it's stability for him and his government that uh, entering this agreement with Jagmeet Singh and the NDP uh, gives him, the Liberals and his government stability. This agreement will will give exactly that. This is an assurance that, you know, because obviously every budget that happens or every major vote that the government claims to be a confidence vote, and budgets are by virtue of that, they now have that assurance that the NDP is going to support them. Now, you know, we haven't seen the deal because this was all done in some, you know, back rooms and secrets, and it was only announced to everybody today, and I'm sure there might be some agreement or some aspects of this that might be made public. But but there is that assurance that if, if the budget and if there's some level of, of cooperation with the NDP, in other words, you know, if they wanted pharmacare, and we heard that they wanted Dendicare as well in this, if that's in the budget, then obviously they're going to get the NDP support. So that stability is for sure the prime minister, what he wants. So it is not to fight every every budget, knowing that there could be a, a non-confidence vote or he could lose the vote and cause an election. So that's been assured now until 2025. All right. So there's the Liberals, the sitting government and the prime minister. Let me ask you next about the NDP. And is the big question for you, John, and I think for a lot of people entering into this agreement, what exactly is a deal breaker for the NDP moving forward? You know, it, it, we, we, we don't know yet, because even in the press conference that we saw with Jagmeet Singh and he was asked the question, you know, there, there wasn't you as well. We're going to keep them on account. We're going to keep them you know, making sure that they do things the right way. But we, we're not sure what policy issues was it. Was it defense spending? Like, you know, there's always talk about the government is sort of spending a little bit more money on defense in this upcoming budget, you know, because of the GDP and the shortfall of the 2% that they need to pay for them for NATO. So is that going to be a deal breaker? Is that going to be in the next budget? They've talked about it. So we don't know exactly what the deal breaker is, is going to be. I suspect this is 
really good news for Jagmeet Singh in the short term, Jeff, in the sense that he's getting oppressed and he's seeing that he's the one propping up the government. But I think in the long run, this can come back and really bite uh, Jagmeet in, in the backside if, if it doesn't go well, because he's seen as the one that's you know keeping the liberals uh, up and uh, up and, and in power when maybe Canadians aren't feeling so much that that level of uh, enthusiasm. Yeah. What about the party as a whole, though, John, in the long term? Uh, how do you see things playing out for the NDP entering into this agreement? Uh, do they risk uh, maybe, you know, in the next little while, the short term, maybe even long term, that they're going to be viewed as and seen as that third party and just kind of an offshoot uh, of the left and of the liberals? Well, and we recall the NDP got 17% of the popular vote in the last election, and now they're essentially propping up, or as some say, you know, deputy prime minister now, uh, in some sense. So, but I, I do think, though, we've seen in other coalitions that have happened, not only in Ontario but but in other provinces as well, that the, the lesser party, the party that is propping up the the main party, you know, tends to get the limelight for the first little while, but then it sort of fades because Canadians will, won't see the fact that NDP are the ones propping us up. They're going to see Justin Trudeau and the Liberal government passing the legislations, getting things through, getting things done. So the attention will be on the Liberals getting this stuff done and less on the fact that the NDP were the ones that, that propped them up. So they'll, they'll, they'll get that attention now, as, as they will for the next week or so. But once legislation starts happening, um, I think the NDP run the risk of, of sort of them being kind of, kind of considered liberal lights. And that could very well hurt them in the next election. And it has in the past. We've seen that happen before. So that's the risk that they run. All right, let's move to the Conservatives. And is this so-called stability that the Prime Minister is uh, promising uh, for Canadians, maybe de facto for himself and his own government and party, uh, is that playing in a way in the Conservatives' hands, do you think? Because as we well know, there's a leadership uh, race on right now. We'll have a new Conservative leader early in the fall at the uh, tail end of the summer, John. And does that give that new leader a chance to really establish a relationship and really uh, get known by Canadians and Canadian voters? I think now, more than ever, the Conservatives have something that they can actually fight for or fight against, and, and, and something that I'm sure that Canadians will want to see, and that is that they now are officially the opposition, right? There was, not, notwithstanding the fact that they're officially the opposition by way of the votes, but now they are the only opposition that's out there. You know, you've got the Bloc and, and the Green Party as well. But so this gives them a little bit of wind in their sails to be able to say, well, look, now not only are we fighting the Liberals, we're fighting the NDP and the Liberal coalition. So they are essentially the party that's going to represent the center right uh, in a way that that, you know, might not have been the case before the coalition, because now it's abundantly clear that the NDP are going to try to move the Liberals far more to the center left. Than the center right, so I think it's a good, it's good news in a sense for not only the party but also for the leadership candidates, who now have something that they can actually mobilize the the, the base and say, look, you see what's going on, you know, elect me and I'll make sure that this thing uh, doesn't last more than it should. Okay, just finally, you only got about a minute here, but does this make the selection of a leader for the Conservatives a little tougher? Because do we know whoever the leader is, will they be facing in a few years' time in 2025 Justin Trudeau? Or do you think, uh, you know, 2025 would mark 10 years in office for him? Is he likely to step aside? Well, and that's a good question. He was asked that question, and of course, he said that he's going to be sort of, you know, fighting the election and beyond. And that's the right answer for for someone. You don't want to be a lame duck leader. But I think for the leadership candidates, I think they're going to change tack now because now that they know that they're going to be elected, you know, a leader of the Conservative Party in September, knowing that instead of an election potentially in a year, they've got three more years. So I think they'll change their messaging as a result of this. All right, John. Appreciate the time as always. Thanks for this. We'll talk again soon. Thanks, Jeff. 
All right, be well. John Capobianco, Political Insider, with us. And we're back after this. You're listening to The Jeff MacArthur Show. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance (laughs) recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.